0: Hello and welcome to Theological Family Ministry Podcast with TFM. Today we have got a good topic for you. We're going to throw down the gauntlet. We're going to put up the octagon and go at it with some decisive, uh, de- divisive and dividing doctrines and denominations and things like that. But I'm one of your hosts. I'm Ben Pallaz. I'm the family and children's discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in sunny Augusta, Georgia. And I'm joined by...
1: Uh, Anthony Trussoni, uh, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland.
0: All right. Well, Tony, it's good to be back. Tony, uh, did you guys get to see any of the eclipse?
1: We did. It was less impressive than our neck of the woods. I looked at it through a variety of means. I even was kind of dorky enough that I took a piece of black paper, cut a hole in the middle of it, my phone's camera would go, and I looked at it through my telephone kind of
0: nice okay yeah we were just outside the path of totality so we got like 99 point something percent wow here so it was kind of cool but um, we got like 80. oh okay yeah so it got pretty dark out here it it got cool and then we heard cicadas chirping and then as the light came back, it was like somebody just turned the dial and turned them off just all of a sudden it, it was pretty pretty interesting to observe, but I w- even with the glasses, someone let me borrow their glasses, I was afraid to, to look up uh-huh. for more than about a second at a time because I thought, uh-huh. what if they're not legit? But did uh, you s-
1: now, now did you see any like great spiritual activity or like werewolves or anything like that? I did see angels. Yeah, uh, angels were flying, definitely. On um, the pin of a needle?
0: <laughs> yes, there were actually a few hundred thousand of them. <laughs> So, well with that, it's a good segue. Recently my daughter and I were actually getting into the car near where I was standing yesterday to to see the eclipse and she saw our church sign out there and it's it's really old it needs to be replaced, but it had the name Curtis Baptist Church and she just she asked me, "Dad, what does Baptist mean?" I mean, is it like the middle name of our church? <laughs> And she said, "Well, you know what? What do other churches have in the, in their middle name?" And so that led to an interesting conversation on the way home. So you know, of course, I told her that you know any of the churches that didn't have Baptist in the name, you know, if they were stupid. They needed to read the Bible and repent. You know, like any good father would. <laughs> you no, know, so we I, we just I tried to have a very humble conversation with her about those things, and but. That, that leads us into some good things. I mean, you know, my daughter is six years old, and she asked me about this. And So, Tony, do differences in doctrine or, or theology really matter when it comes to, to teaching kids and, um, you know, what they can pick up? Did, uh,
1: do they need to know that stuff? Now, before I do answer that, I do want to ask you something. You know, when she asked that about the Baptist, Baptist church, did you explain to her, you know, that Baptists are people who eat lots of fried chicken and don't go swing dancing?
0: Oh, yeah, of course
1: the essentials of what it means to be a Baptist, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say differences do matter. Uh, differences even more than food choices do make a difference. Uh, I, if we believe that the Bible teaches something, it has to matter to us, uh, regardless of level of concern. I think if we, that we believe that the Bible is clear on, a, on an issue, and I think almost every denomination almost every theological group would have those within it that argue that the bible clearly presents their opinion and if you believe that to be the case it should matter to you It 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 doesn't mean that it matters the most you know something mattering doesn't mean that it's the most important possible things and we know that in all levels of reality and children are people as well and and they're thinkers as well and so because of that i think it also matters to them so yes, it does matter with kids and kids do need to learn uh, and understand degrees of importance, especially in that. I think we see when we understand these differences, it helps us not just see what we think the Bible says, but what we think the Bible, what we think in the Bible is the most important and central message that people have to believe to understand the saving message of Jesus. And what's not? What's something that we believe the Bible teaches, but somebody can be a Christian and not believe this. Uh, it does make a difference, and it makes a difference because the Bible says these things make differences. The Bible makes stances on many of these issues. Some and some areas uh, people disagree in what they what they say. In some areas, we would say that people aren't listening to what the Bible <laughs> says. Uh, but we need to do. We need to teach to children and to anyone what is in the Bible and what it means, even if it's non essentials. We can't hop over. We can't avoid what we think the Bible says. And the reality is that our children, the our children will interact with some of these things. You know, I think even from a young age that uh, one of my daughters when at four had said that she wanted to be a pastor, uh, and uh, just for kind of a moment, and uh, she thought, you know, she could be a pastor, and was decided that's how she's gonna give her life to it. Well, that's a theological issue. It's one of those things that is not an essential. That's a different doctrine between different churches.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a helpful answer. Um, I know Al Mohler has talked about a theological triage, kind of like you have in a hospital, but the, theological theological matters. And uh, some of the things, that they're just non-negotiable. If you don't believe these things, you, you can't be a Christian. You're not worshiping the God who's there. But there's other areas where you can disagree about, and you can still be a Christian. It just may mean you can't be part of the same church, and then there are other issues that, you know, you can still cooperate together in the same church and and minister together and still disagree, and and it's, um, you know, like your view of the end times or something. Uh, You should be able to be part of the same church um, with differences there. You definitely can't be part of a Baptist church if you're vegan, though. (laughs) <laughs> That's, it would make life pretty pretty hard for you, all those fried chicken fellowships. Well, so since doctrine can be div- a divisive thing um, and since people can get mad about it, I mean, doesn't that just distract people from following Jesus and fulfilling the Great Commission and the Great Commandment? And, you know, shouldn't we just, just focus on, on those kinds of things and not really worry about doctrine with kids?
1: Yeah, I think that this question— Implies a doctrine, a question that many people ask in this. The suggestion that we shouldn't worry about this and that doctrine makes people mad. Well, uh, what makes someone mad and how? what anger comes from is a doctrinal question. And I think the biblical answer to that is that is that things don't make people mad. But instead, you know, things might tempt us to be anger, but but anger comes from the heart. So, you know, I don't think that, uh, that someone being a jerk to you can make you mad or someone presenting doctrine. And that's why doctrine matters, though. But many people do perceive doctrine as being... Uh, divisive I know of uh, a large national Bible study uh, where where people aren't allowed to talk about their denominations in the Bible study program. It's kind of cross denominations. You're not allowed to mention where you go to church, you're not allowed to mention kind of any of your specifics on theology unless it's related to that specific text but even then if it's related to that text I guess so long as the doctrine of the uh, Bible study uh, doesn't allow it you can't kind of go there and I think that's it's kind of naive. It's it's a failure to understand what true unity is. Unity, uh, contrary to what I think many in our age like to believe, unity is not a lack of disagreement, but unity is agreement on the essentials. Unity is coming together on the essentials and being able to disagree, being able to to disagree publicly and disagree in fierce and loving debates. And our differences while working together actually highlight the most important things. I actually think in this of, uh, you know the Gospel Coalition, not just the website, but the conference, Mm -hmm. uh, the big national conference. And in this, you have some people from very different denominations, different views of infant baptism. Some areas uh, that are non-essentials, they have the same view on, (laughs) but they come together, and they come together for unity around the gospel. And so they see their brotherhood and and their sisterhood around these things, even while having a fierce debate on infant baptism, for example. Uh, You know, I think in summary of that, I I think when we understand what unity is, we will see that a debate and a hug is far more meaningful than an agreement and a handshake. There's far more unity in the first and the latter of those two things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, we, we live in a confused age when it comes to unity and in diversity and tolerance and those kinds of things and, and doctrine certainly can divide and there are times when you should uh, divide and you don't just pursue unity as an end in itself um, you need to be unified around the right things but you know and we should absolutely be concerned about following Jesus I mean, but Jesus himself commanded us to teach people to observe all that he commanded us and that beginning beginning with baptism and, and I mean that's been no small controversy in and of itself for uh, quite a while and so we're loving people we're, we're fulfilling uh, the the great commandment, well, you know, the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. We're loving people and we're helping them to love others when we teach them to obey Jesus. And so this is, you know, not ivory towers things, but it is where, you know, we, we see scripture to teach this. And so we're loving them as we help them to follow that and, and mark themselves off, you know, as someone who follows Jesus uh, in this world. Well, so We've kind of established that, yeah, it is good to talk about those differences and to cut, to draw lines at times and to show that you know, our church believes this. Are there dangers in teaching kids these things, uh, especially on on areas that are uh, debated where not everybody agrees on it?
1: Yeah, I think that you need to be really intentional with kids uh, uh, who are an age who can fail to understand degrees of importance. I think that we can overly talk, especially with young children, on uh, the question of why we're Baptists. You know, I, I think I we both of us are Baptists, and some of our listeners might be Presbyterian, Lutheran, might be of any any denominational or religious background. But we should take a stance on why we believe what we believe, but we shouldn't overly elevate it, especially to young children that can't understand kind of degrees of importance. And because so, and I think what we'll do in that is they will major on the minors, because because of us overly focusing on what it means to be a baptist and what more than what it means to be a christian and i think in that we as uh, christian fathers and christian mothers and children and children's ministry workers should hope that the children in our care are first and foremost become true christians more than they become members of our particular theological sect uh, but uh, and i think also in it we need to exemplify humility especially especially around children because i think uh, if that's the case i think we'll, we'll be seen as divisive if we're prideful about our differences we're arrogant and and we look down on and mock and and see ourselves as better than those who have difference of opinions than us
0: Absolutely, yeah. You can really foster an environment of pride. I mean, all of us come into this world with some level of pride and... You know, you could have a kid who's just interested in these things because he wants the emotional, psychological thrill of winning an argument. And he he wants to feel better than somebody else and go, oh, look at those, you know, dumb people who baptize their infants or those dumb people who don't baptize their infants or, you know, whatever the the issue is. Um, They don't get it. You know, we're the enlightened group. And, uh, I mean, I know personally as a kid, I I mean, I was just, you know, I liked – things like that and debating. And so, I mean, I would have been susceptible to that. Um, but I don't think that's an excuse for just saying, well, we're not going to do it. Just because someone's sinful, you can't say, well, okay, we're just going to just take away the responsibility there. Isn't it enough to love Jesus, tell them all about Jesus, all about the gospel, and serve in his name, try to, to motivate the kids how the gospel motivates us to serve, and then, you know, teach them Bible lessons and stuff, teach them a moral of a story is that enough to to form them
1: no because the reality is when we teach them bible lessons like you mentioned we inherently if we teach the text properly have to help them understand what it says and if not we're just reading our own moral moral lessons into the bible we're just using it as a springboard and I think what's interesting is, I mean, you mentioned kind of giving good moral lessons in that. And I think oftentimes in children's ministry, that's all we might do. But running to moralism is not only taking a particular theological stance of the Bible, it's not only deciding that, for example, the Ten Commandments is about how to have the good life but first, rather than first and foremost being a measure of our righteousness next to God's. But it takes a particular theological sense that happens to be a really bad one, moralism <laughs> in the Bible. So it's not just theological, it's bad theological. Uh, so some of these little things, though, actually do arguably tell people about Jesus. So you might say, well, we gotta tell people about Jesus, not focus on the small things, on the distinctives. But some, within various perspective, might maintain that smaller thing actually is a way of telling people about Jesus. For example, you know, you might find somebody who holds the view that the husband is to have the household and the wife is called to lovingly submit to the husband's loving sacrificial leadership. That's called complementarianism. And many within complementarianism, myself included, would say that that understanding of marriage testifies to the gospel by showing the relationship to Christ and the church. So it actually shows the gospel. You might see it in that uh, I've known many Christians that think that using tongues and being part of churches that use tongues testify to the power of the gospel and are a witness of the world. Or, or even you know understanding of Calvinism, Arminianism. Some would maintain that uh, an Arminian belief Belief is more open towards the gospel, and and to teach about that shows the freedom of grace. But others might mean, uh, might see that uh, to teach a reform theology is to focus more on the message of Jesus. So I think it's just not that simple, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can't just boil it down and say, "Well, you know, we're just going to talk about Jesus and teach Bible stories with a, you know, teach some behavioral things," because in and of themselves, there are. Theological things tied to it, um, you know, in the Bible, it, it just deals with what Scripture itself is. It's not Aesop's fables. It's not just a collection of stories and because the holy spirit is behind the bible you know there's one mind there's unity there and that's why we can even have a coherent theology you know that the bible teaches us things about god's law and about salvation about the church sin like you mentioned gender the future our relationship to society i mean just you just covers the waterfront and so we can have a unified teaching on it and it overlaps with real life i mean you were talking about in marriage and things like that or you know whom will we baptize as a church? Or what do we do with the Old Testament law? Do we put that on people's conscience? Why does our church have these kinds of leaders? Just all that kind of stuff. And so, but there are differences within the evangelical community. And, um, you know, we also would have differences with other groups that are in the just the broader Christian movement. Uh, you know, we may have kids in our church who have friends or family or know people who are Roman Catholic or something like that, and so while we would agree with a lot of things from Rome, we also would disagree on some really important things, like the authority of the Bible versus the Church and tradition, or you know, even how we're reconciled to God. Uh, And those are pretty practical, you know, when you when you come down to it. I mean, it really makes a difference in everyday life and in eternity. So uh, yeah, we we do. I think we have to to get bigger picture than just, here's a Bible lesson. Well, Tony, how am I dealing with these issues, even when kids are relatively young, help them as they mature and as they face different ideas, whether it's ideas that are Christian uh, and there's disagreement there, or just out in the culture where they're just, you know, rejecting Christianity?
1: Yeah. I think that it will be hugely helpful for them and it's hugely relevant that way and one of the first areas I think is if we address these with the kids and if we help them understand it and deal with these issues, they won't overreact when uh, they when they're older and then when they encounter those with different perspectives with different ra- uh, with different backgrounds you know of mm-hmm. yeah. someone who was raised a very char- in very charismatic circles and the first time he was exposed really to Christians that are cessationists or don't believe that tongues and those kind of gifts are active today you know he was angry and he kind of overreacted not treating them as brothers and sisters because he didn't understand that that is an area where there's wide disagreement and we need to have unity even through the disagreement so he over blew it into almost a gospel level issue because he didn't understand from a young age he wasn't exposed to those kind of different backgrounds and i think it helps him also develop Discernment as they pursue churches or even relationships. It helps them understand, like you said, that theological triage—not just seeing what is essential, but what is seeing uh, seeing what is important, even if it's not essential. What are things like, for example, when your child is pursuing a relationship, they go off to Bible college and they're looking for a future spouse. You know, if they believe that uh, if they believe baptizing a baby is biblical, and their and their uh, and their future spouse has no interest in that. You know there, that's got to be something dealt with, and that's something they have to prepare themselves for and making life decisions, and even in terms of finding churches, whether or not they can be at a church where a woman preaches, or some other things might happen. Uh, and I think it helps them to grow into thinkers, which is a valuable skill for Christians to develop and for children to develop at a young age.
0: Yeah, those are good points um, because it, it is going to intersect with real life. They're going to meet people who. Disagree with them, whether about some doctrinal issue, the, you know, dating and marriage, those kind of things. You know, you hear about people meeting in the middle, and you want well, how much conviction is there? Now, it's one thing. I mean, there are different levels of disagreement, but um, I mean, I, I know someone. The man was Roman Catholic, and the the wife was, I think, raised Methodist, and so they decided to to meet in the middle, and they went to an Episcopal church. You know, but just that kind of approach. And, um, yeah, not that you and your spouse or other things that you're going to agree on every single thing. But um, And I think the point about overreaction is really good because if you're trained to think that this is, like, the issue um, and anybody that disagrees is not only stupid but maybe even evil – Then you know, bad intentions, then it's just going to lead to a lot of problems. Um, But we can teach kids to how to humbly disagree with people and even other Christians on important issues. I think it teaches kids too that we can learn to face opposition as we follow Jesus. Um, Not everybody's going to always agree with us as we seek to follow him and obey him. And, you know, when you're dealing with people who are not Christians, they may be even increasingly not very tolerant of that, and so learning how to respond with grace and uh, with humility, while still holding uh, holding a conviction.
1: So, Tony... Now, of course, we want to teach them not to have a lot of grace, uh, though, and that kind of thing, when they find somebody who disagrees with them and roots for the Cubs, for example.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's th- there are limits to tolerance, right? So... And of course. Well, so how can parents talk about these kind of topics? Because we've been talking, you know, kind of on the church level. How can parents talk about these to- topics or doctrines or beliefs that may differ from their own?
1: Uh, you know, I think a great way to go do is, is find, like, original church constitutions from the first church in your denomination, even if it's written in another language, and just kind of read it ro- verbatim to your infant. It's probably the best way, right?
0: You know, you want them to be well-versed in historical theology, so (laughs) why not?
1: Uh, no, I think, I think we do teach through the Bible, and that is a very ordinary thing, but important thing that we we teach through the Bible in times of family worship, in times you're in the car together, and as kids get older, highlight the theological divides related to text. You know, so as you teach through uh, or text in Romans that might take a stance on a particular important issue. You know, that show what you believe and why you believe it, but also explain why other people have different perspectives. But but you know, even as you are growing in that, as you're dealing with a text for even young children, you know, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, like I said, m- make a clear stance of what you believe because you have to present something to your child, and I think it will help them to understand these lesser importance issues, especially as you do uh, address texts that are less that are less related to just the central theme of the gospel. And I think you also, as you go in life, explain why you see Christians do different things. The reality is, as you grow in Christ and as you raise up your children in the faith, they might encounter in churches where Christians do, for example, foot washing services in the same time as they do the Lord's Supper. There are many Baptist churches that do that. A certain church is advertising that they're having a healing service that they're driving by. Or, you know, even why a certain church, uh, why their friends, went to a church to see their infant brother baptized i think explain those issues as they come up in a way that shows nuance and biblical perspective
0: Mm. yeah yeah you're not always looking i mean there's some groups out there some ministries that are sort of like watchdogs they're always trying to point out what someone's doing wrong i don't think that's the perspective that you want to take because it's not to say that it has to happen but you can easily become proud when you're just always looking for what someone else is doing wrong but you know, I think the further that we move away from the primary issues, the more humble that we should become about it. Um, and so, you know, we you say you're reading in First Corinthians and it's talking about the baptism of the dead. Um, I don't think you should be overly dogmatic about that. You know, there should be some a lot of measured statements about that. You know, as best I can tell, this the Bible teaches us this. Um, some Christians churches disagree. But when it comes to things that are very clear in Scripture that are just repeated over and over, like the gospel or who God is, I think we should be less measured. Not that you say everyone that disagrees and doesn't believe this is stupid, um, and we should ridicule them, but just say God says in the Bible... We're saved by faith, or God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, things like that. Um, I, I tweeted out something recently this quote from Derek Kidner, and he said something to the effect of um, that neutrality is not an option for christian parents when it comes to the things of the lord so just well let them just figure it out you know let them test all the views um you know if we really think this is true then we need to pass that on to our children and and the things that are most central to the message of the bible absolutely but that doesn't mean that the further we go out from the central issues that we shouldn't say anything um and just sort of have this squishiness and i think when dealing with unbelievers have humility because hopefully that your kids will see that and approach non-Christians with grace and humility and understanding, instead of like condescension towards them or outrage. Like I can't believe these unbelievers are acting like unbelievers. Yeah, you know. And so it, it's possible to hold something with a firm grip and still not be an arrogant jerk. I mean, our, our culture says you, you, if you have a, a firm belief on something, uh, unless it's the you know, the culturally approved things. If you have a firm grip on something, you know, it just means you're, you're proud and um, a threat. But um, you know, I think we have
1: another way. I, and I, to address something you brought up earlier, I think was particularly helpful. You know, and being careful of that the response of what you call the watch- watchdog type ministries. I think it can be so easy for the Christian parents that do address these issues, and you're right to address these issues, to over-address them, and to be f- more concerned about, uh, to talk more about what you disagree with than what you agree with. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do that, I think we can jade our kids towards the gospel, and we can show our kids our Christianity is a cynical one that lacks joy, and we can do harm to them in that kind of way. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Like, not emphasizing the the minor things or even important things, but that are not the main thing. Um, just producing a, a culture of pride, and and I mean, it's in our cultural landscape now. Sort of, if you do have that approach that, okay, we are going to draw lines here. We're going to have, you know, this is where we land on this issue. And sometimes it's just unavoidable that people are going to view that you're arrogant. Um, but it doesn't mean that you you have to take on that kind of attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what are some ways specifically that churches can help parents to have these kinds of conversations, to, to be informed
1: in order to, to have them? Yeah, there's one thing I've talked about a little bit before on... Podcast, and I think one day we might have a whole discussion on uh, that I think was t- specifically helps with this is studying things like specific historic catechisms. Like our church uses the North Star Catechism. Uh, we call it in church in the, our North Star points at our church. Uh, and, and it's a catechism created by Sojourn Community Church, and, and it's designed to have kind of 78 key points that drive you through uh, biblical teachings on a range of doctrinal issues, uh, from really core ones, the ones that affect how the church operates, to even who we baptize, who we give the Lord's Supper to, uh, in a very generic way that helps them to memorize it and kind of take things to heart and form their worldview around them. There are some other really great ones. If you're trying to raise a kid up to be a great Presbyterian Christian, Westminster Shorter and Longer Catechism, and Larger Catechism rather, uh, is a great resource in those, kind of that kind of way you know and yeah i think when we do this we we want to have ones that address specific kind of things you know i really appreciate any catechism that helps doctrinally instruct kids but i know that there's one that's newer and more popular that tries to for example not take a stance lest we offend people on the issue of baptism on, on issues of understanding the law on some other types of issues even how we understand the church uh, and I think that there comes a point where it's just not helpful and it doesn't help kids to engage with things that the parents are going to believe that the Bible actually does teach I think another way is expository preaching and preaching that brings you to a, a brings you device of doctrines I think when the church embraces the approach of preaching text by uh, verse by verse through a text you're not going to be able to avoid texts that might be controversial especially if you preach through Revelation then you're going to be in a text (laughs) that's controversial every single Sunday (laughs) and don't avoid that but but teach through it teach through it with humility uh, you know, I think for some, even there's benefits of having, when we address these non-essential issues in a practical way, for example, getting ready for baptism, have a baptism class that explains the process, explains why we believe this, why why this affects how we do the Lord's Supper, even though these are non-essential doctrines.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, those are some good suggestions,
0: I think just on a church-wide level, um, bringing the the, the people's awareness to these things. Um, you know, we believe these things, and here's why. And uh, you know, you can weave it, to, like you said, if you're preaching text through, t- just to preach the next text in a book um, as the normal teaching plan. You're going to encounter things that might be divisive. And so, even just taking moments, and like before a baptism, before the Lord's supper, um, to to make a few comments, like we just baptized at our church last Sunday and I, I, there were two of us who were gonna be performing the baptisms, but I was first in, so I took a moment to just explain to our congregation, because I think there's people that are probably a little fuzzy on it at times, and also just taking in mind there might be unbelievers there, that you know we don't, in our case, we don't believe there's anything in the water that's blessed or going to create new birth in someone, you know, but explaining what we understand scripture to teach about that, and just as an opportunity to present the gospel, um, and so there are those kinds of things. Also, you know, teaching through a statement of faith, it's kind of related to the catechism, but um, teaching through it in some context in your church. I think I know the catechism that you're talking about that it doesn't take a stand on some things, and, you know, it does have some helpful points, but, I mean, it, then it does also kind of, it makes it not quite as useful on some of those issues that, um, you know, we think it does, it is a, a, an issue of obedience to Jesus. And so I think it is helpful to, to take something that, that does take a clearer stand on some of those issues. You know, and we don't, you, you couldn't have mentioned this earlier, we don't want kids being so excited about some issue of, of doctrine. They're, they're more excited about that than the person in the work of Jesus himself who, who came to save us. Um, if. They're so excited about the fact that you're a Baptist church or Presbyterian church or, you know, something like that. And they're not as excited about Jesus. That's a problem. And you also don't need to build a a curriculum, you know, around church polity or baptism or something for your first graders. Um, But you do need to be, I think you should be mindful, um, the, the material that you're using to teach them. You know, some publishers out there, they're trying to appeal to such a wide base that, you know, they, they, they can't teach those kinds of things because then it will limit part of the market. And I think it is helpful. It's a, just a natural place to teach them the doctrine of your church. Um, your church didn't land on those doctrinal positions, just you know, for fun, or at least I hope not, people thought about it and said, you know, they've studied scripture, this is what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in scripture, and we think this is what it means. And so we're going to try to obey based on that. Um, And so I think we are doing them a service by teaching them those things. Well, so Tony, how should churches talk about these kind of things doctrines and things like that that are divisive but and where we differ from other churches or denominations like what what how should our tone and just kind of the big picture of that we talked about specific ways to do it, but um, how should we go about it?
1: Yeah, I think that we need to treat these even when we address them as family disagreements. Uh, not as heresies or even as great evils. You know, I've known of churches that are so de- determined on something like a theology of dispensationalism, which is a specific view of the end times. I mean, that they were happy to call out in Sunday school class and, and sermons uh, in every context those who have a different view of the end times as, as being dangerous, as being, as being awful, and we shouldn't surround ourselves around it. I've known of churches that have done the same kind of thing, even through curriculums, about that overly center on the issue perhaps of creation, of the, uh, whether it was literal seven days or day age theory perhaps. Mm -hmm. And I think when we do this, I think we can overly, overly misunderstand this and create and present these as evils rather than as family quarrels, family disagreements between brothers and sisters in Christ that are unified throughout all eternity together. That as brothers and sisters, and yes, we won't have those theological disagreements when we're with the Father in heaven and all is illuminated to us, and our, us Baptists are proved right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, you know, to treat them as brothers and sisters, uh, even even we're. Respecting and presenting different viewpoints, perhaps when we present something to someone else, uh, other than our own, I think be proud of where it. is important to be proud of where we stand. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that I'm proud to be a Baptist. I'm proud to be a Presbyterian. I'm proud to be a Lutheran. I'm proud to be this, that, or the other on a non-essential issue. And that be proud of the shoulders of, of those giants that you stand on. Mm-hmm. And I think, but at the same time, you can critique it too. You know, I think when we over elevate it we fail to critique our own viewpoint and fail to acknowledge our own weaknesses and realization of other strengths and within for example and so even you know if you're proud to be a southern baptist and you think southern baptists have such great biblical theology being willing to admit we did some really horrible things for people that had that had dark skin years and years ago and sometimes even not too long ago yeah the and but at the same i also think We don't avoid these issues but we don't make them our hobby horses it can be so easy to make every sermon our sermon about this particular small issue it can easy to make every time that we family worship this time about this particular small issue and i think we need to avoid that that's yeah that's a good point and i think you know we want to emphasize
0: where we're in agreement that we're on the same team with other people that preach the same gospel worship the same god um, we're seeking to make disciples of the same Savior, um, but it is okay that we have to draw lines at some point. And uh, I, I mean, I know there's a movement out there of, of churches that um, have a dual practice in baptism, and they will baptize infants of parents that want that, and they'll also baptize believe professing believers. I just don't know how you, in practice, how you negotiate that, how, how it works out without leading to lots of conflict. But I. You know, I'm not an expert on that, so I don't wanna get too far into it, but uh, it just seems that 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 really wouldn't work long term. But, you know, I I think we we do, we emphasize what we share in common, but we also, we speak with clarity and humility And, and don't spend the majority of your time, like you said, because then it just leads to hobby horses and you've got a a people that are just gripped on to some secondary thing rather than holding on to Jesus Um, and so you know we don't want to be navel gazers you know we want to proclaim the gospel we want to help members to grow deeper into it and, and to help them to move out towards others because of it and you know if we're just so fixed on some point of doctrine then it kind of stunts that those movements of, of growth so well it's been a helpful conversation uh, about a, a divisive thing and uh, one that we hope that will benefit people you know further out if you've you know, enjoy this podcast and you found it helpful. Please do share it on social media, uh, repost it through SoundCloud and those, those other uh, platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, and uh, word of mouth also. But it just lets other people hear. And we'd love to hear feedback from you. We, You can reach me at Twitter at, at BenPalaz, and you can uh, reach Tony at Anthony Trussoni. So, yeah, we'd love to have you know, questions, comments, for suggestions for future podcasts. and uh, But we, we do hope that this will benefit your church and your family. So thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back next time. All right, bye-bye. Thank you.